Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are 2 Kings chapters 20 through 22. Today, we will rejoice as we read of King Josiah, one of my favorite kings of Judah, one that we all have much in common with. Rabbit trails. Take a deep breath because we're diving in. 2 Kings 21 tells us that King Hezekiah, one of the rare kings who walked in obedience to Yahweh, became sick and was at the door of death. So Isaiah the prophet tells him that he's going to die. What does Hezekiah do? He turns to the wall and begins praying. I see this as him turning his back to the world and his face to Yahweh. 2 Kings 20 verses 12 through 15. Where exactly did Hezekiah go wrong? In these passages, a significant event takes place that causes Yahweh to declare a punishment which will have some of Hezekiah's descendants living as servants to the king of Babylon. What happened exactly? There are actually a lot of theories on this, but I'm going to focus on the two that I feel are intertwined and the most plausible. I encourage you to do your own research, pray about it, and seek the truth for yourself. But you should also know that it's okay not to know everything. Many of these mysteries I just tuck in my back pocket and keep my focus on what the Father has revealed, because goodness knows that keeps me busy enough. Side note, regarding not knowing everything, Never be afraid to admit that. I see a lot of proud people who can never admit they don't possess the knowledge of the Almighty Himself. As far as our witness goes, this makes us ineffective and actually sends people away rather than attracts them. Instead, if you're ever asked a question that you don't know the answer to, I want to encourage you to respond thoughtfully with something like, That's a really good question. I don't know the answer right now, but I look forward to searching the scriptures and finding out what God says. Now, y'all, answers like that will earn you respect. So the first theory is that Hezekiah was being boastful. This enemy king sends an envoy to bring gifts of celebration to congratulate Hezekiah's recovery, and the text tells us that Hezekiah welcomes them. Not only that, but he shows them every bit of treasure in all his possessions. Not only is this betraying any advantage he may have had, but most see this as him being boastful. Theory number two, historians of the time state that the king of Babylon was there to seek an alliance with Hezekiah against Assyria. Now, recall in 2 Kings 20 verse 6, Yahweh told us that he himself would defend Judah against Syria. I wonder if it's possible that word of this got back to the king of Babylon. Either way, as they say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But also, here we have the king of Judah openly welcoming the king of Babylon. This appears to be a slap in the face of Yahweh. Personally, I think both of these theories together are likely what happened. The tragic thing is, up until this point, Hezekiah was a king after Yahweh's heart. And now, having just come from being delivered from his ailment and given new life, he relishes in the favor of Babylon. Now think about Messiah and how he gives us new life. 
How often do we then turn from him and relish in the favor of Babylon? 2 Kings 20.19 breaks my heart. Judgment is pronounced against Hezekiah, and he shrugs it off, content that it will be upon his descendants rather than himself. It makes my heart sink to even think about it. Now, I want to take a break here and remind you that the Father blesses the descendants of those who walk in his ways. The way you live your life now, today, these hours you are spending reading and studying his word, they will bless your children and your grandchildren and your neighbors and everyone else who comes into your life. He will bless them through you and because of you. Amen. 2 Kings 21 verses 1 through 4 shows us another king, Manasseh, who not only does what is evil in the sight of Yahweh, but he rebuilds the high places that were torn down. He goes on to build altars in the temple and then pretty much goes down an entire list of things we are told not to do, complete with gruesome child sacrifice, checking each one off as he does them. 2 Kings 21.8 reads, I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander any more out of the land that I gave to their fathers, if only they will be careful to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. The behavior of King Manasseh is a direct result of Yahweh's people not heeding his repeated if-then commandments and declarations. However, even though Manasseh was one of the worst kings Israel had ever had, he ended up coming to know and serve the father later in his life. You can read about this in 2 Chronicles 33. Glory to Yahweh. No one is beyond his reach if they will turn to him. 2 Kings 21.14 shows us Yahweh forsaking his remnant. Now, in our Western all-about-me mindset, we think this is harsh, but we overlook 2 Kings 21.15, which reads, Because they have done what is evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Now, this was a direct result of their actions, of choices they made repeatedly. This is not what Yahweh wants to do. He wants us to return to him. He wants to be our God. But when we repeatedly spurn his wisdom, when we choose to set ourselves apart from him, exempting ourselves from his commandments, he does exactly what he said he would do. 2 Kings 21.16. For a reference to that, see Matthew 5.19. 2 Kings 21-22 shows us King Ammon, another evil king, and a key action he took. The text reads, He abandoned Yahweh, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of Yahweh. Now, the key here is who abandoned whom. Humans have a propensity of abandoning Yahweh and his ways, and then, rather than accept that they have brought this about, they like to turn the tables and claim it was Yahweh who abandoned them. Moving on, 2 Kings 22.8. I have found the book of the law in the temple of Yahweh. Now, the transliterated word here, if you check out the interlinear on Bible Hub, I have a link in my notes here, instead of law is actually Torah. There is some debate about whether or not law is the best interpretation for this word, and personally, I think it depends on what exactly you are referring to. But in general, I believe, along with many Bible scholars, that teachings is a better word than law. 
Plus, if you tell anyone that Yahweh has laws that need to be obeyed, they freak out. We're totally cool in our country with having so many laws that no one can even give us an accurate count. Estimates are we have well over 50,000 laws in the U.S. But even hint that the creator of the universe might have a few rules he plans on enforcing and people lose their wigs. So let's just stick with teachings. Now, Torah also refers to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In these books, we find the history of all things and the personal words, teachings, instructions, and commandments of Yahweh himself. With all of this in mind, and having read it ourselves and seen firsthand how much personal knowledge of our Father He reveals to us in these books, we can only begin to scratch the surface of how important these five books are to mankind in general, but believers especially. Josiah was already doing what was right in Yahweh's eyes, 2 Kings 22-2, and walking in the way of David, as well he knew how. And then the Father stepped in and filled in the details allowing Josiah to walk even closer to how the father desired by allowing the high priest to find a Torah scroll. Whether it was one or many, we aren't told. Josiah heard the words of this book and realized that he had not been living according to it, nor his forefathers, and he was greatly distressed. Although it is worthy of note that the father already considered Josiah to be righteous for his heart being holy after Yahweh. But isn't that the sign of a righteous man? He followed Yahweh to the best of his knowledge and ability. And when he realizes that he has inadvertently sinned against the Father by not doing all that's required of him, he grieves, repents, and immediately steps in line. That's what we're doing here today. When we opened this book, we were handed a scroll. And as we read it and see what we have neglected due to our own lack of knowledge, we are grieving, repenting, and stepping in line. 2 Kings 23.3 reads, And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before Yahweh to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. May we respond just as Josiah did. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.